Welcome aboard, Captain. Welcome back to the Wrath of Khan Minute, the semi-daily podcast where we talk about and celebrate Star Trek II, the Wrath of Khan, one fascinating minute at a time. I'm David Stoker. And I'm Chris LaSalle. Welcome back, Chris. Hello, David. How is it going? Pretty good. I'm excited to talk about, or another week of talking about Star Trek II. Yes, and we are inching closer and closer to the moment in this movie. Yeah, the confrontation. But right now we're going to talk about minute 46. All right. So we are on minute 46 and this minute starts with Spock finishing his question of with their experiment and McCoy being all emotional. We're talking about universal Armageddon. <laughs> well done. Dave, you need to learn to govern your passions. I do. <laughs> So yes. this is a this this is a great minute for McCoy, I believe. You know, it's it's for McCoy, and I think it's also for uh, it's really the Star Trek minute. Yes, because to me, this conversation between the three of them, although Kirk doesn't have a ton of stuff to to add, um, I think this is a, just a, a perfect example of the relationship between McCoy and Spock and Kirk, and how they, you know how they discuss the philosophical and moral impact to whatever the situation is that's going on at the time. And uh, I think the scene uh, is just another, another great example of it. Yeah. And you're right. McCoy steals the show. Oh, he does. Um, so Spock had, uh, you know, the end of last minute was asking the question, have they proceeded with their experiment? And I think I had mentioned, you know, I, I was assuming that they were past stage one. So Kirk sort of reaffirms what I was assuming, which is uh, he says, you know, the tape was made about a year ago. I can only assume that they've reached stage two by now. So they are somewhere, you know, with Reliant being at their beck and call, uh, that stage two is somewhere underway, whether it's been complete. And now they're looking for the moon. I think we talked about a little bit about this before too, where Spock didn't know much about Genesis. Right. And uh, the project itself. And it kind of, uh, does this to, does it seem to you? It does, does to me. It kind of uh, illustrates or illuminates that Starfleet is pretty damn big. Yes, because if you think about it. Kirk is an admiral, right? Yeah. And I guess I guess so. I'm reading into it that the Reliant is not under his jurisdiction, because otherwise, I would think as an admiral, you'd know what all your ships are up to in general, what their missions are. Um, well, maybe maybe he just has well. Yeah, maybe at his level, he's only responsible for so many ships. Right. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like, he's the admiral of the, you know, the Delta Quadrant or whatever, right. you know, the, the the fleet that just manages this part of space. Sure. Uh, space or, is a big place. It, it is indeed. Because um, clearly he, he would, if, if I would, if, if Reliant was under his jurisdiction, I think he would know that they were on the stage three because Reliant's right. out sniffing, sniffing for planets or sniffing for dead planets. Yeah, and so it, it's just 
No, and it makes sense, like what you said, like, you know, Starfleet's probably this big honking thing, you know, the Federation is rather large, all the planets that are, you know, part of Starfleet, I mean, a part of the Federation, that, you know, maybe one department doesn't know what another department may may or not may be doing, like, what this experiment is, like, sure, someone somewhere in Starfleet knows, but the fact that Spock doesn't know doesn't mean, you know, much. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's a... I don't know. Here's a, here's a bad Trekkie moment. Do you know how many planets are in the Federation of Planets? I do not know. I don't either. We probably should know that. Homework. Homework. All right. Your turn. Okay. <laughs> Taking that note uh, now. <laughs> great. Uh, so, it, it, interesting the reactions, right? Spock just wants to know, have they continued with their experiment? McCoy is clearly shaken up, right? He is... He can barely get the the his comments out, right? That, you know, are we intelligent enough? Suppose, what if, you know? Uh, and I'm surprised. I guess I'm surprised and not surprised. You know, the first thing he goes to is, you know, what if they, what if they drop this thing on a place where life already exists? Yeah, he's thinking of the weaponized application yeah. of this, which is something I think I brought up last minute. Was you know where it was? You know, she Carol mentions this is the merest fraction of the Genesis potential, you know, he's already like, you know, what, what if someone launches this at earth? Like what yeah, if, yeah, what if this which, thing was out on earth? It's a very pessimistic attitude though. Don't you think? I mean, well, I know David Marcus had the same thing, right? It could be perverted into a dreadful weapon. Right. And, uh, but geez, um, you know, this is Starfleet and, you know, the age of exploration, it just seems like a, a pretty quick leap to, you know, this could be a weapon. Well, he's all passion. You know, he's a he's a he's yeah. a doctor. He's not a physicist. <laughs> I'm a doctor, damn it. Um, so, and then now we get into this, you know, this fantastic back and forth, right? Yes. Uh, Spock's like, well, it would destroy that life in favor of its new Matrix, right? Yeah, which I've always loved. I mean, not you know, the Matrix movies aside, I've always loved that description. Like, oh, it's new Matrix. That's a cool way of describing it. I like that. Yeah. I, I remember even seeing it originally, like being struck by that phrase. Um, so, and you know, McCoy fired back at him. What are you talking? Do you know what you're saying here? Yeah. It's interesting to me that um, I think it's another, another example of how well they know each other, yes. McCoy and Spock, that, um, you know, McCoy's like, do you have any idea what you're saying? It's interesting that Spock knows that McCoy's talking about the moral implications of it all. Yes. Right? Yes, Versus definitely. he could have continued down the, you know, the scientific thread. Um, right. But he but he knows him well enough to know that, oh, boy, here goes McCoy again. Uh, <laughs> and they well, do – they cut to Kirk at the same time, right? I was going like, to say, yeah, with his face. And he clearly is like, ugh, <laughs> doing, this, doing this again. Yeah. He's like, I love you guys, but ugh. Um, can we pause for a second too at the uh, at Kirk's reaction shot, which I had the same note, like ugh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, when they do cut to Kirk, uh, we do get a nice look at that uh, control panel we were talking about yes. uh, several minutes ago. Um, which again, I, I really can't tell what any of those functions are. No, uh, but uh, but that's not the screen we were just looking at. Oh, that too. Yeah. So what happened to those Death Star panels on either side of them? Exactly. Monitor? Fake. <laughs> Fake. Uh, anyway, sorry. 
side tangent on his giant control board there. He's going to fall into that one day, and he's going to get a nasty cut in his head. <laughs> Those are an accident yeah, waiting to happen. Totally. And what's with the shades of brown? Oh, no, really? <laughs> Come on. Could be a little brighter or sunnier there. Yeah, it's left over from motion picture. Oh, burn. <laughs> um, so, so yes, yeah, so Scott, uh, Scott, um, Spock, <laughs> trying not to evaluate the moral implications. Uh, it's always been easier to destroy than create. And then yep. McCoy gets all, <laughs> not anymore. Yeah, not anymore. Now we can do it at the same time. <laughs> It's awesome. He's so over the top and six minutes. I do. So this is not a judgment on on the film or, you know, editing or anything like that. But uh, when he's, when he says, now we can do it for, you know, in six minutes and he holds up his hands and uh, he's, he's looking back and forth between Spock and Kirk. He pauses for the slightest moment and stares straight into the camera. (laughs) I don't uh, think I noticed that. Yeah, I, how he, he does? He, yes, he's, he's looking right at me. Um, and so I, it's it's just a beat that you know, like, did he was he was uh, did he hear something behind the camera? Or yeah, was he just get distracted by? He's like, is this too over the top the way I'm doing this? Six minutes. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> I know we're just, we're just uh, gushing at this stuff, right? But uh, really, doctor. <laughs> The way the way Spock to... responds to him, it's like a child. It's like really, come on. You must learn to govern your passions. It will be your undoing. So, can we? Do you think and we haven't talked about this in a while? Uh, um, it would seem like every other minute you were talking about foreshadowing. Yes. Um, I find it interesting knowing the film and where it all goes. Yes. This line of Spock's. You must learn to govern your passions. They will be your undoing. Yes. Um, I think we could, we should come back to this when we get to the end of the film and talk about how this relates to Spock. Right. Right. Um, Well, I think we've touched on the journey he makes a little bit, not a lot. I get, yeah, see, it's hard. It's hard. You know, like, I want to talk about the whole film right now. We can't. We got to. But that might be a discussion for the end of the movie. We can talk about his, especially leading into the next movie. I mean, there is a journey he takes. Mm-hmm. Let's save it. So let's just put a pin in that one, guys. And let's all remember to come back. Say, Chris, you know, six months from now when you're, <laughs> when you're at the end of the movie. You remember that right, time yeah. when you said, let's talk about governing, governing your passions. Uh uh, so let's come back to that. But um, so logic suggests. Logic. My God. My God, man. The man's talking it's about talking logic. About logic. <laughs> talking about universal Armageddon. Yeah. Now he's already gone to. He's gone yeah, to not only is like this thing is right. Not only is this a weapon, but now we've got like so many of them, we can destroy the universe. <laughs> well, it is know. the merest it's fraction. A... The merest fraction of the Genesis potential. This could unmake the universe. Right. Yeah, exactly. If you drop this into a black hole or something, it's, you know, who knows what's going to happen. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a, this movie could have gone in a different direction. Oh, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. But it, it, it's funny to, to watch McCoy, the height of passion, the height of emotion with Spock, who's all logic and 
the just their argument. You know, it, it's it's like it's like trying to wrestle with a child who's gone limp. <laughs> it's like you're trying to go to bed, and they're like, "Ugh, I'm just gonna lay here on the ground. You pick me up," and they're like, you know, weigh ten times more than they than they normally would because they're they're just dead weight. Yeah, and I feel like awesome. that's what this is. It's like you know, McCoy is all emotion, and he's all, and Spock's not giving into him. He's just, you know, logic suggests, and McCoy's like, "What?" <laughs> it explodes. It's funny because you know, I always think about the you know McCoy, um, Spock, and Kirk. You know, they're supposed to. I always thought they were supposed to you know represent you know three different you know aspects of personality kind right. of thing. You know, your logic, what are the ego, and your I don't know which which one's responsible for logic. I, I God, I have to pull out my <laughs> psychology 101 book. Um, but I guess I've always thought of like, well, Kirk's the impulsive one, you know. Yes. But is he? Because I mean, right now McCoy is definitely be being the impulsive one. Well, I don't know if he's being impulsive. I think he's just being emotional. He's being passionate. I don't know if he's being impulsive. Is he? No. No, I don't think McCoy's being impulsive right now. I think he's being uh, passionate. He's laying. He's his heart is on his sleeve. Yes. You know, I, I should, I'm gonna I'm gonna dig a little bit more on that. I'd like to know what they all represent in the yeah, mind. What do they all represent? You know, the id, the super uh, id, the ego. Oh, that's there. You go. That's what it was. No, not super. No, the the id, the ego, and the super ego. Those are the yes, three. Yes, there you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and of course now we're. Get into Freud and the oh boy. <laughs> we can easily go off topic a little bit here. Um, but uh, I think, yes, I was talking about at the beginning of this minute, and you know, this is really coming back around to it is, yeah, they've just, they represent three different aspects of personality, and you know, they're just arguing amongst themselves right now or ta- talking amongst themselves. And um, that's great. Yep. And I guess it wraps up right. Yeah. It, it wraps up in the, in the next minute. We'll yeah, pretty the... pretty quickly. I mean, I think then, you know, Savick comes on the line and gets them all distracted by something else. Oh, right. Yeah. So, yeah, you wonder where this conversation would go, right? Yep. If, uh, if they hadn't gotten interrupted. Hmm. Where it would have went. I think about that, too. Where would it have gone? I don't know. But... Kirk, like I said, Kirk, Kirk really hasn't said much. He hasn't offered his point. opinion about. He hasn't offered his opinion. And you know what? Does he ever? Now that I'm thinking about it, well, I don't know, because he's definitely he's about the mission, right? We got to find out something's wrong with Carol. Got to get out there, figure it out. Um, then he, you know, then the whole confrontation with Khan. And I don't think I don't think the uh, the moral implications of Genesis he ever renders an opinion. Nope. Interesting. I don't think so. Why is that? Because it's his girlfriend's project, and he doesn't want to get in trouble. Well, maybe. <laughs> something to think about dave when we get to further minutes yes definitely all right uh any other notes i don't have any notes sir no, to... yeah me neither i guess that's it then another minute in the can yes we're getting closer though very close as we've been saying for 10 minutes now no. i think because we're we're both so like we're almost there we're almost there it's gonna be so good all right. Well, then let's. Uh, why don't we stop here then, and sure. uh, we'll come back again on Wednesday. 
Um, so yeah, in the meantime, folks, you can find us online at Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, the uh, Rathacon Listener Federation, yeah, Rathacon Minute Listener Federation on Facebook. Yes. Um, you can also drop us a line at podcast at rathaconminute.com. We would be happy to read your emails on the air. Um, so definitely do that. Um, and uh, we'll be back here on Wednesday to talk about Minute 47 of Star Trek II here on the Rathacon Minute. Bye. See you now. I'm again. My God, man. <laughs>